1: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
0: No! Woo! ha 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 ha! Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome to this week's episode of Steelers War Room. I'm your host of this week of the show, Matt Peverell, the host of the show that likes to put you in the minds of Kevin Colbert, uh, Mike Tomlin, Omar Khan, Brandon Hunt, uh, whichever one of those guys is going to be the GM to continue, or perhaps it's an outside GM. Um, Is that, not even a trio, that collective Um, along with the rest of the Steelers front office look to put together a winning roster. Uh, They did it in 2021, but can they put together a winning roster in 2022? Well, that's what's going to dominate, uh, you know, the, the headlines uh, for Steelers fans or the focuses for Steelers fans, not just the, not just, you know, dominate from a winning record perspective. But, you know, we, we want to see the Steelers back in a Super Bowl, AFC Championship game. Um, but a lot of people would have us nowhere near uh, that right now when you when you think about where we're situated. So today's show, uh, you know, it's funny. We're going a bit back to our roots uh, when we think about this, this show originally being Steelers' cap room uh, before we made it Steelers' war room. And I think that's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I, I want to talk a lot about in the cap today and hence the title of today's show of what can stills learn from the 2021 spending to help in 2022 uh there's things that stills can learn um there's things the still will still be learning uh whereas mike tomlin uh go goes about these exit interviews and understanding where you know the team you know really needs to go the, the first thing that I wanted to kick off with um, was just a comment around his what was considered his final press conference um, for this season. And that's around the statement of the way that he and Colbert work together to fill the needs, whether it be the draft and free agency. A lot of people separate the two completely, right? And you're sitting there going, no, 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 no. They're there together and they how you, how you address things. But free agency is coming up in March and then you've obviously got the draft in April. Now we know the stealers traditionally like to basically fill the key spots and then draft where they see value. And that allows them to go after, you know, a BPA, which is best player available. Great. But you've also got to look at it in context. So the year that Devin Bush was available, who were the linebackers that were available this year, the probably the the high-profile position, and it's not actually quarterback for me because we have to technically have one quarterback on the roster, the other one's are a restricted free agent um, in Dwayne Haskins. Then you've got a guy like Josh Jobs, the Dave, Dave Schofield they'll being bracket back. And then you can, you know, who knows who's going to be released, cut, what have you. And then who's available in that draft process, but it's more the tackle position, right? Because, you know, the uh, the left tackle Armstead might be available. What other tackles are available? You want to keep Dan Moore? Um, it's on my list. I've I've got a list in his interview. I couldn't uh press conference uh in the season press conference. I didn't get there before today's show. But to me, it's it's a tackle. There, are you better off paying for a tackle or are you better off drafting a tackle? Now, this is quite a heavy tackle draft. Um, you know, and, and yes, there's going to be better tackles than not bad tackles, but do you go that and then do you spend the money on an, an inside um, offensive lineman, you know, an interior defensive lineman, or offensive lineman, sorry. Or do you go after a cornerback that's proven? Again, do you go out and draft that cornerback? You probably want a proven safety. It's very hard for safeties, you know, to be top tier safeties out of college. So, you know, if you're not bringing back Terrell Edmonds, who's that safety that you're going after to pair with Minka? Who's that big heavy hitter um, that we want to see? So, It's just, this is really about that approach of how do you approach this off-season process between the draft, free agency, filling the needs, particularly when you think about, you know, where the Steelers, um, you know, are really, really sitting right now when it comes to the cap, when it comes to the players, uh, you know, that they've gone on contract. To the gaps that they've got, to the gaps that people would have thought that they they have, having you know gotten absolutely throttled, um, you know, by the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, you know, right now there are forty three contracted players uh, on the roster in terms of contracted players for twenty twenty two. The thing is, that includes players like Ben Roethlisberger. That includes players like Juju. That includes players like Kelly Witherspoon. It includes players. Um, you know, I think Ebron's on that list too. People that are actually free agents, people that are actually retired, maybe if you're talking about Big Ben. Uh, you know, in and, and what this is, is there's, there's those voidable contracts, um, that we've got. So, you know, I think the actual list is, is closer to somewhere like 38 players, I think it is. Um, you know, and then there's guys like, you know, and the other thing to note about those those voidable contracts, they can restructure them if they're if they're retiring. So with Ben, they can actually restructure his contract, and that and you know that was alluded to, I think, by Dave Schofield. I completely agree. You'd be silly not to restructure that ten million um, as much as you can over the next three or four years and bring it right down. Bring that cap hit um, of ten million down for this year. But then there are also restructures that can be done. I did the simple restructure feature without, you know, moving different things around, which you can do through um, over the cap premium. And, you know, there's, you know, 5 million to be saved um, there with Stefan toit There's 17 million you can add to the cap with TJ Watt. That's it, you know, that's a top quarter, you know, that's, you know, not top quarterback money, that's top tackle money. Uh, there's 6 million you can deal with with Cam Haywood, uh, Joe Shobert. You know the assuming he's on the roster, you can save five million. Um, but I think that you can save up to seven or nine million um from his when I just look at it off a quick glance. Cameron Sutton restructure there, you can get another two and a half million. So you you know, you talk about those numbers there. You know, let's say you make all those moves and, and they might not, uh, and they might do something with Boswell's contract um potentially as well if they want to give him an extension, which be a bit untraditional for some of the way they do things, but hey, um, you know you literally could have almost 35 million uh, in, in cap that you can find from simple, re- like from what, you know, OTC um, or over the cap, you know, some summarizes a simple restructure. That's a bit of money. When you think about Steelers right now have, you know, $41 million um, available. I think then I don't think that's including um, the rollover cap minus some of the other bonuses they've got to pay as well. So, you know, You've got to look at the adjusted cap rate as well. Now, there was a number put toward that, I think it was 44 million, but then there was 7 million worth of bonuses. So I'm not going to get into that. I want to see the way the bonuses work and then I want to see where it's sitting in a couple of weeks' time. We'll understand it better. But it's important to think about the adjusted cap. You know, there are some fans um, that were on a few weeks ago with uh Rich Schofield and I when Mark was off. Um, unwell on touchdown under and they're asking well why don't the Steelers actually spend all the money and you know I answered it with the fact that they like to have somewhere in the vicinity of seven or eight million each season to do different pieces of business including those bonuses and it was last year that they only had six million dollars last year not being season 2021 but 2020 and that actually was considered a bit of a dangerous position in terms of where the Steelers like to situate themselves so you know when you talk about that cap rollover really you're buying yourself the ability to, uh, you know, do your business um, and then have a little bit left over. Plus there are the players that are going to have certain bonuses. What does that mean by certain bonuses? Well, there's this team incentives and then there's actually uh, what we call PPA um, or what, o- what OTC calls PPA, but, the pr- but it's also in the NFL contracts under the collective bargaining agreement, which is around proven performance escalator projections. We're well, not going to go into them right now. We're going to go into them in a little bit. I want to cover something else first, and that is the, the play evaluation that OTC does. So let's take a pause for a moment. Pardon me. Sorry. I'm battling off coronavirus, and uh, you know I've got a, a sore throat, so I need to make sure I'm keeping hydrated and um, not getting tongue-tied with dry mouth. But so... OTC and I've covered it on this show before, almost a year ago, um, but it was certainly stuff I did in the preseason. They run a metric called their NFL play evaluation. Now, put simply, it basically you know gets the numbers provided by PFF, Pro Football Focus, which you know a lot of people are suspect on, and then basically contextual like basically measures those against a number of factors including snap counts pff grades and, and other statistics um, that they collect to determine a player's prime evaluation overall values add a special teams component to evaluation valuation, um, and there's a full piece that you can read about it um, through pff in terms of how they put this together but essentially what you're seeing is a pff score against their contract now this was something that we saw really a really high um, grade there for TJ Watt last year. Overall, in 2021 for the season, and I'm talking regular season, obviously because postseason still going. The Steelers were third in the list for value over, um, you know, a- over the team's average pay per year. So the overall value for the Steelers was 246 million. Um, the team average pay per year was at the 183 million mark. And the value over was 63 million. It's pretty high. Interesting, the Bengals were behind us at 61 million. The Ravens um, were considered in the top list of teams, uh, down at 27 million. This is the top 16, I think it is. um, So the top half of the league, or maybe top 12. And then they're you know, all colored boxes in front of me. Um, and then ahead of us were the Raiders with 69 million and the Chargers with 89 million. Now, the Chargers that's got a lot to do with the fact they've got rookies um at positions like you know, tackle, um, with Rashawn Slater and of course Justin Herbert. Now, Justin Herbert delivered the greatest value in the league last season with $30.9 million dollars value over his average pay per year. So basically, what o- what OTC does with a lot of their Different um sort of ways they measure money and what have you. They do it average pay per year. So they spread the contract out to you what it is per year. So the positional value for him was 37 million, overall value was 37 million. overall value was 37 million. His current average pay per year is $6.64 million. So you get the average, you know, the value over um average pay per year of $30.9 million. Next was Max Crosby. We saw had a great game against uh, you know, the the Bengals um in, in that frame of mind um then you've got jalen hurts uh it's into so quarterbacks make this is pretty easy then you've got jerry burrow so Jalen hurts 22.5 million um over his average pay per year um you know, Joe Joe Burrow was 21 million over. Mac Jones was 21 million over. So you've seen what a rookie quarterback um, contract does with those four QBs in the five. And you know that's what we would hope if we were drafting one. And you got Justin Jefferson, top wide receiver in the league now. Um, there for the Vikings, 16 million over. Ten. Tain- Taylor Heineke, 16 million over, Kyle Murray, 15 million over, Um, Orlando Brown, 14, Rashawn Slater, 14. Um, There, so that's where you see this real value. Um, There's 44 million in that in that 69 million, in that 89 million mark. Um, for the Chargers, just purely sitting there with the left tackle that they drafted in the 2021 draft along with the quarterback that they drafted in the 2020 draft. Uh then you go to Tristan Wirfs, Lamar Jackson, um, AJ Terrell. You got to basically scroll down and they they're both at 40 million. When you get to 12 million, uh 12.65 million, you get Chukes. So Chukes was actually kind of in the, almost the, he was in the top 20 um, there then you scroll down a little bit further uh you get to Deontay johnson who delivered um you know a value of 11.4 million dollars over his over his average pay per year now again his current average pay per year is just over a million dollars so you're not necessarily the top wide receiver but probably in the top 20 to 30 percent of wide receivers in the league um it's not a b money so those people that are like it's not worth a b money well no he's not um and the and the numbers say that I do also have to pause and just say, remember what I said to start with? These are PFF numbers. So you may actually argue with a lot of these different numbers. And I'll tell you why, because we're going to get down, you start on the list, you know, in the, in the first sort of segment, and you've got like, you know, Najee Harris there, um, obviously, and what have you. But when you get to some of Pittsburgh's proven players, you start to argue with this metric. And so I'm not guided by this metric, Um, I'm not guided by PFF, I think there's a lot of things I get wrong But it is interesting when they they attribute this to the contract value Um, Because whilst the PFF number is not perfect You sort of get an understanding of, well, do I think he's worth that much Do I think he's not If you look at the overall positions uh, Running back, Najee Harris was second overall running backs That's really interesting when you look at wide receiver, as I said, Deontay Johnson um, sort of in, in, a, in a top portion of the league. He was third for wide receivers. Um, Chase Claypool, you know, kind of middle of the pack, um, $5 million average pay per year. Uh, and then moving down um, the list, you've got to scroll really, you know, quite down the list before you get to Ray Ray, who delivered a million dollars over his contract. Um, obviously, James Washington didn't do a lot. He's down there. He delivered one hundred and fifty grand over his um you know and that can't count the touchdown that he had uh obviously anthony miller you know was a minus thirty thousand dollars so you know wide receiver wise we didn't necessarily do that great uh when you look at the tight end position pat freemuth uh top top seventh in the league there six million over his contract um you know it's sort of different because dalton schultz um, Dawson Knox there. Dawson Knox was a, is a decent tight end. So is Dalton, uh, Schultz there as well, but they've been in the league a little bit longer. Uh, Tyler Conklin, Foster Moreau, Mike Gasecki, Cole Komet. So you're looking at almost all those guys are on, I think actually every single one of them is still on rookie contracts. Um, so that's where you're seeing that real value. And then you see the value that a guy like Pat Fremuth brings um, already off a rookie year where he surprised a lot of people. If he can keep the you know that proven performance up, you're going to see him in this top 10. And that's a really good position to have um, you know, sort of a cheap contract on. Uh, when you look at the left tackle position, uh, Dan Moore Jr. Uh, makes it into the top the top 10 there behind Orlando Round 1, Sean Slater 2, Terrence Steele 3, uh, Andre Whitworth 4, Garon Christian 5 from the Texans, James Hurst from the Saints, um, number 6, Spencer Brown from the Bills, who's a rookie as well from this draft. Um, and you've got Elgin Elgerton Jenkins, and then you get to Dan Moore. So he's like eighth or right there um, and ahead of Jonah Williams of the Bengals. So he delivers you $4.9 million um, over value over his average pay per year. And as I say, that's top 10 in the league for left tackles. So that's pretty cool. Um, and then if you go look at P- his PFF rating, people might go, well, hey, his PFF rating wasn't that great because Dan Moore, I think, was a little bit – uh." A bit of let down uh, there in some of those in the PFF grade. If you look at center, um, Kendrick Green as well is in the top half of the league, delivering $2.594 million over. Now, obviously, he played a lot of snaps too, so that that feeds into it. But that's an interesting perspective, I think, for some people. Um, Trey Turner, also in the top seven, um, delivering four and a half, $4.9 million, almost $5 million over his average pay per year recording the PFF grades. Now, although he was... At one point, it was a turnstile in the Chiefs game. But you sit there and you go, he's still a little bit value. You think about a starting right guard in this league um, on this line, you know, there's value there. And the thing that I want to reiterate about the Steelers this season, yes, they're 9-7-1. and one. Yes, they're disappointed, uh, you know, in the playoffs. Yes, and some people expected that. Yes. Uh, there's a situation whereby do you expect better with a, with a very young and inexperienced and influx O line behind a 39, you know, trying to protect a 39 year old quarterback? But of all the seasons, to have a 39-year-old quarterback, to have the the turnover they had on the offensive line through retirements or, or major injuries, with a guy like David DeCastro, um, to Vince Williams not coming back, you know, in the inside linebacker position, uh, to you know losing Alville and Oleva, um, you know, to to lo- having Kevin Dotson out for a strong period of time, to having his bat, Zach Banner out, and as I said, I definitely think he's a he's a cut target. I don't know how he could keep him. With all those things, you did it in a year where the salary cap went down for the first time in, I think it's like 20 years. You did it when the salary cap went from $198 million all the way down or where it was projected all the way down to $183 million. You did it when the steals were already over the cap um, before that number was reduced. So you've really got to sit there and say has got value, and, and the numbers prove this. Regardless of what you think of the actual PFF grade, the numbers prove this was the case. Let's um, say so you go to right tackle, Tukes is second in the league. Um, value over um, pay per year of twelve million dollars. Now his current average pay per year, um, you know, is eight hundred fifty-one thousand. You know, but he's only behind Tristan Wirfs of the Buccaneers. You know, one of the top top um, you know tackles in the entire league. Uh, And then you move across to the interior defensive line. And again, um, you know, Chris Wormley is up there in that in that top 10. I think he's, I think he's 10th here, you know, delivering that of uh, av- you know, a value over average pay per year of $3.8 million. Um, you know, so that's really high. Now obviously it's different, you know, Cam Haywood still outplayed his contract with a with a um value over of 1.187 million. He's on a hefty contract. So that's pretty good from an uh, defensive lineman who's over 30, who gets 10 sacks, makes it he's an all pro. Again, peer technology you may not agree with them. Um, Alex Highsmith, top seven in terms of edge in rushers in the league. So that combines obviously and the de- de- defensive, you know, ends uh in a four-three and linebackers in a three-four. He delivered um value over his annual pay per year, um, or average pay per year, sorry, I should say, of eight million dollars. Again, really high. But when you go down to TJ Watt, right? A date to score almost a million dollars. TJ Watt actually um taco child on, was minus minus two hundred and fifty-seven thousand. TJ Watt was minus five million because he, the size of his contract, but he missed games. But you're really gonna say, and this is where it, this metric become puts into question. You're really gonna say TJ delivered five million dollars under. He changed games like the Seahawks game, you know. He he ch- changed um games at time, you know, he would have changed that Raiders game, what have you? So you know, he set that he equaled the single-season sack record, and for most people, he beat it when you think about what he did in that Ravens game. And that's where this metric comes into question. Regardless, though, you can see that the Steelers are getting a lot of value from it. Um, you know, we're in the top 10 in almost every category. Uh, UG3 delivered us, believe it or not, $2.459 million over his annual pay per year. Uh, Robert Spillane, uh, Miles Killebrew, all, of, all above there. Interesting killer resistors linebacker. Marcus Allen delivered a million dollars over his. Um, you know, Buddy Johnson delivered eight hundred thirty-six dollars over. Uh, sorry, minus eight hundred thirty-six dollars. I think that's a tough. It's a tough metric on him. Joe Schobert, minus minus three point six million. Probably not a surprise. Um, trying to find Devin Bush um, here for us as well. So, you know, it's it's interesting when you look at look at this metric, um, and and you just see the steel's got value across the board um, safety Terrell Edmonds fifth in the league 5.39 million over now mink is going to be so far down because of a lack of interceptions but we're not and yeah so it has him here delivering $743,000 over um, his average pay per year and his average pay per year is for you know 4 million 4.1 million so it's pretty high but what about the tackle on Hollywood Brown they're not in the playoffs if he doesn't make that so Again, you it's, you've got to be contextual with the value that someone actually brings. Uh, cornerback, this is where I think you see the Steelers really drop off, and you know Cam Sutton's in the sort of the top fifteen, delivering five million dollars over his um, average pay per year, which I think is a really you know positive for him, and I think you'll keep help keep him on this roster in a longer term. Arthur Maulet. Um, was in the positive range with $823,000 over. Trey Norwood, positive with $757,000 over. James Pierre with $742,000 um, over. Joe Hayden, uh, I'm trying to pull him up for us, you know, in, in real time. I with the spoon was $1.6 Obviously, he didn't play as many snaps while he adjusted to the Steelers' scheme, but then he really delivered. Joe Hayden's right down the bottom of the list, minus 9 million. Um, and you see all the injuries that he had, and then what he did on the field, and therefore that affecting his grades. So, you know, that's a challenge there when you talk about, you know, Joe Hayden um, from a kicker perspective boswell wasn't in the top 10 i find that ridiculous um he was minus 1.549 million um, but then daniel carlson was in the minus mason crosby from the packers was in the minus harrison butker from the chiefs was in the minus so you sort of sit there and you're like well hang on you know some of the top kickers in the league um suck in the minus you know just because they got a crap pff grade doesn't mean that they're a crap player so you know again this is where the metric starts to fall apart in some different positions. Um, Presley Harvin was in the top uh, 10 to 12 for punters, delivering $111,000 um, over his average pay per year. Uh, Jordan Berry was ahead of him, delivering 169000 just for the, all those out there, particularly my my good friend Jeff Harman. Uh, long snapper, um, Steelers right there, Christian, Christian Kuntz, who today signed a new contract. Today, my time. It'll be yesterday um, for you guys in the U.S., um, you know, he was in the minus by twelve grand, but he, that's in the top. Um, that's in the top eight for long snappers. So that's pretty good. So that gives you a really good idea of you know play evaluation, and you can see even if you just screw the pair of numbers, the clearly got some value compared to other other teams in the league at a lot of across the board with a lot of positions. Um, you're probably sitting there going, "How about quarterback?" Where do we sit quarterback? Well, yeah, Big Ben um, managed to basically make it into the top 12, delivering $5 million um, over his average pay per year on the current contract, which is a little bit manipulated, as we know, um, because it's spread out uh, from that perspective. And then Mason Rudolph was minus three million. Obviously, he didn't play a lot of snaps. Dwayne Haskins isn't on isn't on this first list of players um, either. So that that's where that's sitting. But with that, we're going to take a break on steelers Warum. Join me for part two. We're going to talk a few other things about contracts, um, the the PPE that I talked about, the proven performance um, escalators. We're going to talk a little bit about contracts and players, uh, and then we're going to wrap it up for another week. We went back on Steelers War Room. I'm your host of this weekly show, Matt Peverell, the host of the show that puts you in the minds of Kevin Colbert, Omar Khan, Mike Tomlin, uh, Brandon Hunt, uh, you know, and the rest of Steelers front offices. They were to put together a winning roster in 2022. They did it in 2021. So as as you continue forward in um, this off-season and you're thinking about things and you're thinking about cap, there's an important piece, uh, you know, and you can find out more about this on Over the Cap, that it's important to remember around contracts about proven performance escalator projections. Basically, and you can find this on, on over the cap, they, they put together a table that basically describes um, or demonstrates what the qualification and who's qualifying for their proven performance escalators, which is basically a fourth year salary escalator for players on drafted rookie contracts that are not drafted in the first round. So they don't get a fifth year option. um, But in the fourth year, they can get a increase. me. They get an increase uh, in their salary if they have played a certain number of snaps. If they've you know delivered certain things. So a level one PP is earned if a player participates in a certain percentage of the team's offensive or defensive snaps in the first two of his three seasons, or averages that percentage of offensive or defensive snaps over his entire uh, first three years. Second round picks the average is sixty percent. And that was the same in the previous CBA. For the third to seventh round picks, it's 35%. Level two PPE is earned if a player participates in at least 55% of a team's offensive defensive snaps in all his first three seasons. A level three PPE is earned if a player is selected to the Pro Bowl on the original ballot, not as an alternate in any of his first three seasons. Minka, TJ, um, good examples. Uh, Players eligible for PPE. I think Nigel will be there next year. Uh, Players eligible for PPE will see their fourth year base salary escalate based upon the restricted free agent tenders for that season as follows. So level one PPE will raise the base salary to the amount of the right of first refusal, ROFR or RFA tender. Um, Level two will raise the base salary to the amount of the ROFR, um, RFA tender plus 250 grand. And then level three PPE will raise the base salary to the amount of the second round RFA tender. Okay. What does all that mean? Well, if you are doing it this year um, for first round, RFA tender is $5.562 million um, projected for 2022. It hasn't been decided, but it's projected over the cap. They usually pretty on it with these. Uh, second round is projected uh, to be there for an RFA tender of $3.986 million. And right of first refusal refusal is $2.433 million. So basically, that's what Dwayne Haskins will make. Um, he's an RFA. So the Steelers want to re-sign him at that. I'm, my understanding is that that is exactly what he will cost. But when you go back to PPE, that basically tells you you know what, what um, that average salary uh, is going to be in terms of that escalation. So what does that practically mean? Well, if you look at the 2019 draft, because that's the eligible piece with people going into their fourth year, Deontay Johnson is the only player uh, from the Steelers that qualifies in terms of this PPE list. Um, And so he's on a PPE level of two. What does that mean? Just to recap, that means he's participated in at least 55% of the team's offensive or defensive snaps in his first three seasons. It will raise his base salary to the amount of the RFA tender plus $250,000. So when you look at cap space, this is really important. Deontay Johnson right now has a $1.362 million cap hit for 2022, but actually his cap hit going into that fourth season is going to be the RFA tender of $2.433 million plus 250 grand. So he's going to make $2.688 million dollars. Um, you know, next year instead of the 1.3 million. So when you talk about the cap of where even where it's, it's over the cap, which is usually considered the most accurate, you're sitting there and you're going, the number even there right now is not actually reflective of what his overall count number will be. So what does that mean for the 2020 draft, where we've still got some players on the roster? So you've got Chase Claypool, uh, Alex Highsmith, Kevin Dotson. Alex Highsmith is currently a one. So is Kevin Dotson, and Chase Claypool is a two. That may change, um, I think, when they when they go and look at things. But right now, Chase Claypool played 63% of the snaps in 2020 and 70% in uh, 2021. Highsmith only played 42.5% last year, and then he played 73% this year. So currently, Claypool has an average of 66.6%, um, and Alex Highsmith's on 57.8%. So Alex Highsmith is getting close um, to level two, Getting real close, he's technically over, but you've got to see that third year to understand. You'd expect him to do it. He's probably he potentially um, you know, may even end up in the level three uh if he can have a really good year. Um, but but let's let's see about that one. Uh Kevin Dotson, now he's on a one right now because he played 32.6 percent uh, in 2020, and then he played 50 or 48.2 percent in 2021 for an average of 40.4 percent. But he's a guy that could make the Pro Bowl next year. So that'll skew his number. That's all the Steelers so far in that account. 2021 draft. And this is a really big one because this is something to remember in three seasons time. Um, now, obviously, it's one of these guys could have a major injury. He's hope not. But Pat Freemuth, Kendrick Green, Dan Moore, all currently twos. Uh, Pat has played 58.2%. Um, you know qualifying there for that second level of the ppe the proven performance escalator um kendrick green 83.3 percent and then Dan Moore junior 92.1 so Dan danmore usually could cost that now fine if that's the case you know even if the proven performance escalator plus 250 grand is like four million at the time four million for starting left tackle or right tackle in this league that's cheap um but you know there's a lot of water to go under that bridge kendrick green well, who knows? For a lot of people, I, I I think he'll be there as a key depth piece, if not more. Um, with injuries again, that can still push the contract up. But Pat Freemuth, you can imagine, he could definitely be gunning for a Pro Bowl in the next season if he played like he did this year, plus a bit, you know, more yards. Um, but that just gives you an idea of where it's sitting. I think the bigger the bigger thing is Deontay to remember for this year's um, contract, and then to remember that you know Claypool, Dots, and Highsmith, you know where they might be sitting in their fourth year in a few seasons' time. Um, a couple of seasons' time, it actually is probably going to be almost double um, what their contract hit actually is. Now, yes, it won't matter because the salary cap will be up. we will be in a totally different position by then. You don't know who players will have and not have. But it's just a really interesting metric. Um, and so don't let teams in your comparing teams' taps. Be very careful about what you're comparing until this is factored in because there's a lot of people that aren't factoring this in. Um, you know, Devin Duvernay is a good example for the Ravens. Jonathan Taylor uh, for the Colts, he's a three. Tremont Diggs is a three from the Cowboys. So this his top tier. Um, you know, there, that's the 2020 draft. Uh, you know, Jake Bailey, uh, he's a punter for the Patriots. He's a three. Um, you know, AJ Brown's a three. Michael Hardman's a three. Max Crosby's a three. Elginton Jenkins is a three. Um, Debo Samuel is a three. DK Metcalf is a three. You know, so that all these sorts of guys, these are hot names across the league, but they're currently sitting there as three. What I did find really interesting is that when you look at the PPE level uh, for 2021 f- across these, these players, um, it's what is really interesting is that there are more twos. Um, than ones of the list that OTCs put together, which basically have a minimum snap percentage of the 35% to qualify into this list. So it's, it's interesting that when you look at it, if anyone that qualifies in terms of these PPE um, in 2021 from that draft selection, there's more people on level two than there is, there is one. What does that simply mean? That simply means that you're seeing a lot of rookies take starting positions in the league and have a really um, great contribution it's also interesting when you look at the names here because obviously we've got three Steelers in that level two um, bucket. There's two Chiefs. Um, there's two Raiders. Uh, there's a couple of Bills um, as well. There's a there's at least one Patriot in there. Uh, there's a couple of Dolphins. Um, you're looking yeah. at teams that all had decent records. Um, the Jets had two, but obviously, you know, Brandon Eccles and Michael Carter, but obviously they were lying on their rookies a lot. Um, you know, there because of just the weird situation that that is them. But the fact that the Chiefs have the most, um, the Steelers have three as well uh, along with the Chiefs. And then you're seeing things from the Dolphins who ended up with a positive record. Uh, You see a couple of things from some other playoff teams. It's sort of interesting to tell you that how important finding rookies in key positions is because it might allow you to spend elsewhere. Um, but that's, that's still a bit of an overview of PPE. It's something that's not really talked about a lot, the Proven Performance Escalator, but it is really important to a cap number and it's not something that you see um, easily on a cap number. I just wanted to recap there though, uh, around um, the current projected, I talked you about the projected RFA tenders. So as a reminder, um, the projected RFA tenders for 2022 were the first round of five point five six two million dollars um, dollars Second round uh, for $3.986 million and right first refusal $2.433 million. The projected franchise and transition tenders um, the different positions is franchise tag for QE is $28.5 million. Uh, transition tag twenty five point six million, defensive end uh, twenty million franchise tag sixteen million transition tag, wide receiver nineteen point one million dollars for wide receiver um, franchise tag sixteen point seven for a transition tag linebacker seventeen point four million for franchise tag fourteen point eight million transition tag, cornerback seventeen point two nine three million dollars for the franchise tag, fourteen point nine million dollars for the transition tag. This is quite a mouthful. Uh, defensive tackle, franchise tag, $16.88 million. Um, Some Cam's under that. Uh, transition tag, $13.596 million. O-Lyman, $16.698 million um, franchise tag. And then you've got 14 14.997, so almost $15 million for the transition tag. Safety, $13.5 million for franchise tag. $11.265 million for the transition tag. Running back, 12.5 million franchise tag, transition tag of 10.1 million. Tight end, franchise tag of 10.834 million, um, transition tag of 9.3310 million. And then special teams, uh, franchise tag is 5.469 million. So that's punter, long snapper, or kicker. Um, and transition tag is 4.98 million dollars. So that just gives you an idea of what, and all these are projected, um, but that will be decided once the salary cap is completely confirmed. Uh, is my understanding. The next part is looking at fifth-year option um, projections. Now, Devin Bush is sitting there at $10 million. Could be slightly higher. Now, this is the thing. Is he worth $10 million? Is he worth losing or having to pay extra? Uh, You know, if you don't take his fifth-year option, he does bounce back. This is a really interesting thing. But I don't think you can take Devin Bush's option and not cut Joe Schobert. I don't even think the restructure is going to work. I don't think you can take Devin Bush's fifth-year option if you don't get rid of Banner. There's certain money they're going to have to spend this year or have sitting there that they can roll over into next year to make that worth it. And I think it's a really interesting question and it will tell you a lot. The other thing that I think it's really interesting too is because you've got some good linebackers in this draft. Kobe Dean, Devin Lloyd, um, you know, there's uh, a few other guys that I've previewed on on this show before and we'll do more about, you know, draft boards and, you know, short lists at different positions um, and, you know, who, I, who I'm who i thinking is sort of sitting there. But that's a really key question this offseason um, because, and you know, what people might be like, nah, don't do it, don't do it. But if he bounces back, it'll be one of the biggest regrets you've got and he, he could bounce back then the leg might come together as ACL is doing second year after surgery. It would be a contract year for Devin Bush too. That could be really costly if he gets anywhere near his performance. And it'll be either costly because it will cost the Steelers actual money to keep him or it'll be costly if you're losing. Just something to keep in mind when it comes to Devin Bush. The next thing that I wanted to talk about was contract utilization. What the hell is that, Matt? Contract utilization is a metric that over-the-cap use, um, and it basically is pretty simple. And what it does is it takes the player's contracted contracted average pay per year and adjusts it for playing time on offense and defense with an additional value given for special team participation. So the player plays extra special teams. The formula for utilized APY of a player is simple. Contract average pay per year times play time plus 0.18 times special teams play time. Basically, then whatever the cap do is add add them all together and then divide them by the team's overall average pay-per-year to determine the team's contract utilization index. Teams with a high CUI, which is the acronym for it, generally are healthy and are rewarding their most expensive players with lots of game time. Teams with low CUI often face significant injuries combined with bad contract decisions that see expensive players riding the bench. While the CUI doesn't specifically tell us how good or bad a player is, Bad players with big contracts often get playtime despite their lack of production. It can help better identify how well a team is being constructed and how they're approaching a season with their playtime allocations. Okay, so there's a lot of variables there. If there's a bad player, if there's a ninja player, what? How does this really look? So the best team in the league in 2021 on this number is the Rams. Average pay per year, 223 million point two hundred twenty-three million point. 223.5 223.5 million, that tongue twister. I've talked a lot of numbers in this show. Hopefully he's still with me after more. Uh, utilized average uh, pay per year of 158 million. Uh, and so that's a, that's percentage utilized of 71%. That's the top in the Rams. The bottom is the Texans with 205 million, obviously Deshaun Watson comes into play there. Um, they've only out, you know, utilized 67 million, 32.6%. The, rate, the Bears are ahead of them. Then the Ravens are ahead of those guys, ahead of them. And the Jets, Lions, Saints, Washington, Panthers, Dolphins, Packers um, as well. So Packers had a few guys who out injured back, back to Kyrie's on like a $17 million deal or something, I think. Um, so from that perspective, you start to see, you know, there's, it's interesting from the teams here, um, but you can see where major injuries have an impact. So where do the Steelers sit? The Steelers are 21st with 52.9% um, in 2021. So they used 104 million out of their 198 million. Now, yes. And also, this doesn't, I don't think this counts or explains very well where dead cap comes in. But anyway, um, but you saw injuries uh, this year for the Steelers, um, you know, with guys like Joe Hayden out. You saw, you know, Kevin Dodson out for a while. You saw Zach Banner out for a while. You've obviously got DeCastro feeding into there um, to a degree with some of the dead money that went, the way they had to clear some of that. Uh, to it is a big, is a big contributor um, here as well. So this is an area that I would hope the Steelers improve upon. Interestingly, you look at the top teams um, in the top 10: Rams, Chiefs, Bills, top three, all in the playoffs, all through the divisional round. And Falcons, um, Matt Ryan stayed healthy. That's probably a big part of this contract. Then you go to Colts, Seahawks. So Colts obviously just missed the playoffs. Um, you know, they really should have been there, you know, in many respects, depending on who you, you know what your feelings are there. Uh, Seahawks, um, obviously Russell Wilson came back. So that changed things. You've been out the whole year, very different story. Buccaneers, Vikings, 49ers, Chargers, Browns, Cowboys, Broncos, Bengals. So there's a lot of playoff and then it goes Patriots, Cardinals, Titans, Eagles, Raiders, almost most playoff teams. In fact, every single one of them apart from the Steelers are in that top, that top half or top 20 in the league. It shows you the difference. And I mean, sorry, I missed the Packers. So Packers and Steelers are the only playoff teams that aren't in there. That's kind of a big deal. Um, and so there's real opportunity. It's scary with the Packers if they keep Rogers and what they might be able to do next year, but it shows you that the Steelers with top players back on the field, you know, yes, we can. The performance might be better, but there's expensive players that Steelers didn't have on the field this year, and that becomes a costly proposition. Lucky Land Casino asking people, "What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?"
1: Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office.